Good morning and welcome to King's Arms. Good morning, welcome to King's Arms. Welcome to King's Arms. <laughs> welcome to King's Arms. Welcome to King's Arms. Welcome to church. Hi, welcome to King's Arms. Um, it's so good to have you with us this morning. My name's Ali Green, this is Mike, my husband, and welcome to our home. Uh, we'll be hosting this morning. Thank you so much to the youth team for that intro. I can't wait for my boys to be old enough to be in the youth team. Um, our sons are eight and five years old, so as you can imagine, a lot like a lot of you, we've kind of been thrown into the homeschooling malarkey at the moment. We have been. <laughs> well, someone, someone has been, and it hasn't always been easy. One of us may even have been brought to tears at some point. <laughs> yeah, um, we're just really aware that for a lot of families and teachers and those involved in education, it is an uncertain and strange time. Um, so we just want to spend just two minutes quickly praying um, into that right now. So, yeah, Father, we just ask for supernatural resources for families, for children, for teachers, um, for everyone involved in making decisions. God, we pray for wisdom. We pray for grace and strength and patience and we just ask that um, there will be real joy that comes out of this time as well God we pray for joy over households and schools um, and just pray that you would bring the best possible that can come out of this whole situation Father. Amen. Amen. Actually as our vision as a church we've been talking about um, how we can go deeper in this season and um, we've actually got a video now of Steve who's just going to be talking to us about how we can go deeper this Lent. Pancake Day or Shrove Tuesday is the traditional feast day before the start of Lent on Ash Wednesday which this year falls on the 17th of February. It was the last opportunity to use up eggs and fats before embarking on the Lenten fast and pancakes are the perfect way of using up these ingredients. Obviously, over the years we've added all sorts of extras like pancake races and pancake flipping and then we put lots of different things on. In our family, our favourite is probably bananas with toffee sauce. Now Lent is the 40 days plus Sundays leading up to Easter and it was traditionally a time where Christians would devote themselves to God and so this year whether you have pancakes or not we want to invite you to go deeper into God with us as we take a journey together through this devotional book called The Little Book of Lent. Now there will be details of how you can get yourself a copy on the website. But this Lent, I would just encourage you, can we join together as a whole church to go deeper into God? <laughs> it's all right, don't worry. Oops. Thanks, Steve. As a church, let's really not miss this opportunity to push in closer to God. Mm. So now is a good opportunity, actually, to push in for closeness with God. Wherever you are at the moment, Whatever you're doing at the moment, whatever life feels like, you are close to God and God is close to you. Mm. Let's turn our attentions to him and worship him. Yeah. There is a sound I love to hear. It's the sound of the Savior's word as he walked into the womb. Praises he gives. 
is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Holy, holy is He. Sing a new song to Him who sits on heaven's mercy. Filled with 
you working you never stop you'll never stop working never stop you never stop working even when i don't feel it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop working even when i don't see it you're working even when i don't feel it you're working you never stop you never stop working you never stop you never stop That is who you are. That is. 
Father God, I just I thank you that you promise that you inhabit the praises of your people. I love that that is just truth about you, that as we worship and praise you, you come and inhabit that space and that our spirits connect with yours. God, thank you that um, you are here right now. And I just ask that you would rest on us as we go about the rest of our time together. Amen. And thank you so much to the Worship and Audio yeah. Visuals team and all the hard work you guys do to make these services happen. I also wanted to say a big thank you, actually, to the youth team mm. um, who we saw earlier doing the intro. Um, so many of these guys are working tirelessly um, to help keep us connected. Yeah. And when the money we give as a church to keep the church going um, is actually helping support those people in their roles um, mm. so that they can help keep other people connected. Um, if you'd like to give right now, you can click on the giving button or you can give at kingsarms.org forward slash giving. Donate. Forward slash donate. Donate. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, we have been thinking as a church at this time about our vision and um, just really going deeper. So going deeper into God, going deeper into community and going deeper into the harvest. And um, Mike and I are just going to spend a few minutes looking at um, going deeper into community right now. And um, we're just going to get you to do a little bit of work. So um, we've kind of heard Simon's vision video. And I think one of the things I've been thinking about is it's, it's challenging to connect with people sometimes at the moment. Um, obviously, we don't have a lot of the normal places for that. So for me, um, I've just asked a friend if we can just once a week. Um, I've been getting up a bit earlier just to spend time with God. And I've just asked her to join me once a week over FaceTime. Very blurry <laughs> at that time in the morning and we're just praying um, for that 20 minutes for each other and for our week and it's just really helpful. And once a week about I've been phoning a friend of mine who got baptised about a year and a half ago. Um, he's vulnerable, a vulnerable adult and has had to shield in this time um, with COVID um, so it's just so helpful for him to have a touch point with somebody um, but what I've actually found is while I, when I do it, I find that it makes me alive in a certain way to have that connection with him as well. So it's actually really been a mutual thing. Yeah, no, it's great. I think when I was listening to Simon's video, one of the things that really struck me was how in this time it can be easy because we're, we're at distance to um, almost without noticing for like offence or judgment or fear or anxiety just to kind of start to cloud our hearts in terms of connecting with the church and really going deeper into community and I think um, one of the things I think it'd be great for any of us to do is just to take that time with God to check has anything grown in my heart there that's actually really not helping me to want to connect with community when it is that little bit harder um, so we were just going to spend literally two minutes now and I want to encourage you just to grab a pad um, or to just you know, close your eyes, spend time with God or to chat with anyone you might be with and just think, is there any way that you could be going deeper into community um, even in this next week? Um, do you need to check your heart with God? Other things that you could do? Or one of the other things you could do, you could think about someone who you maybe used to see regularly when we're meeting together as a church or you just haven't seen for the last little while. It might be nice just to send them a text message yeah. right now. Great. You've got two minutes. Go.
let's be a church that does one anothering well. So if you didn't have enough time in those two minutes, feel free to use the rest of your week. Um, Next up, I'd like to introduce Phil. I'm so excited what he's going to say. I love his preaching and I know I will be provoked and challenged. Enjoy. Well, hello. Welcome to my study where we're going to open the word of God together today. And I hope you're doing well in these challenging times and what better moment to turn to the word of God to find some encouragement and so today we're continuing our series uh, called Beautiful Attitudes which are based in the Beatitudes uh, found in Matthew chapter 5 and today we're going to be focusing in on Matthew 5 and verse 3 where Jesus says blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. That's what we're zooming in on today. And just to help us get a handle on what is going on in this particular verse, we need to understand something of the context in which this verse was uttered by Jesus. And so I'm just going to read some scripture around this. We're going to dive into Matthew 4 and read some verses just to help us understand what's going on. And because I'm now officially old, I'm going to put my glasses on to read. So here we go. Let's read together. Matthew 5, uh, we'll start Matthew 4 and verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who are ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon possessed, those having seizures and the paralyzed, and he healed them. And large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed, are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And our verse for today, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Amazing, amazing words. And a couple of years ago, I went to Israel and I got to stand on the Mount of Beatitudes where Jesus was uh, uttering these very words. It was a, a hillside group in Galilee where Jesus grew up. And it was amazing to see the context where he would utter these words in what are now known as the Sermon on the Mount. And it would be easy for us and easy for me on that day to slip into thinking, well, Jesus here is just uttering some nice kind of pithy statements that we can kind of stick on our fridge. He's just throwing out some nice sound spiritual sound bites on a sunny hill in Galilee and you know he's just kind of shooting the breeze with his disciples and like giving us some kind of pearls of wisdom what I want to suggest to you that there is something much more radical something much more revolutionary happening in this moment and the context of what we just read shows us this that news about Jesus was spreading all over the place because of the signs and wonders he was doing Doing. We read there how uh, Jesus was healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. He was setting people free and people were hearing about him from all over the not just villages of Galilee, but the nations around Galilee. And when I was in Galilee a couple of years ago, I went to stand on the top of 
Golan Heights, which is a mountain range where literally you can see Israel surrounded by the nations. And so, um, you know, you've, you've in modern day Israel, you've got Iraq, you've got Jordan, you've got Syria, you've got Lebanon, you've got Egypt, all pretty much on your doorstep, literally surrounded by the nations. And people were coming out of the nations around Israel to hear this penniless preacher from Galilee, a northern backwater town, preach this message. Why? Because they'd seen the spiritual, supernatural authority that rested on his life. And so this part of the world in this moment is in is fermenting with this kind of spiritual expectation and hunger. And as the crowds gather, this melting pot of kind of religious beliefs and people from different parts of the country and the nations, Jesus starts to unveil his kingdom manifesto. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is is not just moralizing. He's not just giving us some moral teaching. Jesus here is showing us, A, what God is really like, and B, what his kingdom really looks like. That's what's happening here in the Sermon on the Mount. He's showing us a picture of God and therefore his kingdom and those who are part of his kingdom. And it was totally revolutionary to those that were hearing these words as it is for us today. And, you know, I sometimes wonder at the moment, what would Jesus say if he dropped into a kind of post-Brexit, post-Trump, COVID-ravaged world with all of its kind of politicized tribalism, with all the kind of polarization that's going on, with all the particular uh, pressures and challenges of this moment that we're now in. What, What would Jesus say to us about the way forward? the way out, the way we progress from this moment that we find ourselves now in as a culture. Well, I believe Jesus would say the very same words that he said to the crowds on the hillside in that moment. And our verse for today is this, blessed, which means happy. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. And Today, I want us to see two key things in that statement. Number one, the recipient, which are the meek, and the prize, which is the earth. Jesus says, blessed are the meek, the recipients, for they shall inherit something, which is the prize, called the earth. So let's look at those two things together, and we're actually going to start with the prize first, with the earth and why that mattered and still does matter so much. So Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people who instantly would have been hooked by his message that they were going to inherit the earth. Because for the average Jewish listener, inheriting and possessing the land was everything. Because it rooted them straight back into all of the history of promises that God had made to Israel that started with their kind of forefather, Abraham, where God called Abraham and said, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a land and you are going to possess the land and you are going to, your descendants are going to outnumber the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And so God starts by promising Abraham a land, uh, subsequently gives that same promise to to his sons Isaac and then his son Jacob and then through Joshua 
as he leads the people into the land. They take possession of the land and the 12 tribes of Israel are each given portions of the land. And there are promises attached to the land that you are, as a people, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God and you're going to dwell in the land and you will dwell in safety. And each each family will have his own fig tree to sit under his own vine to tend you'll live in the land in peace as long as you follow me but also there were conditions that if you turn to idols the land itself will vomit you out and ultimately that's what happened to Israel they turned to other gods they forgot Yahweh they forgot God and they went into 70 years of captivity and exile in Babylon And then gradually began to return under leaders like Ezra and Nehemiah. But still living in a land that was occupied by foreign powers. Whether it was Persians or in Jesus' time the Romans. So Israel was in the land but they were an occupied nation. And yet there was this longing for the land. Because it represented living in a time of peace and shalom and favour. And there were all sorts of people in the crowd that would have been listening to Jesus thinking, great Jesus, so we're going to inherit the land. How are we going to inherit it? And they all would have had different ideas about how they were going to take possession of the land. So, for example, you would have had a group called the Zealots. Now, they were the kind of crazy radicals who wanted to take the land by force. They were kind of, they wanted it it through violent revolution. They wanted to overthrow the Romans, kick them out. We had the Sadducees in the crowd, a religious group that actually didn't really believe in the resurrection, didn't believe in the spirit world. Uh, They were quite rational materialists. They wanted to take the land by kind of blending in and kind of cohabiting with the Romans. Or you had a group called the Essenes. And the Essenes were kind of very monastic. They wanted to flee the world and go into the caves and and create kind of religious bunkers where they could forget the world and just create their own little communities. And again, they were the kind of the escapists. We're going to take the land by just burying our head in the sand and doing our own thing. Or then you had the Pharisees, who we read about in the New Testament. And the Pharisees were the kind of religious legalists, the one who felt superior to all the other nations and who wanted to follow God's word, but also follow the traditions that they had created for men and women to follow. They were the legalists. And so they all would have been straining to hear Jesus how are we going to take possession of the land? Is it by violence or escaping or through legalism or religion? And Jesus flat out offends all of them. And he says, guys, you are not going to inherit the land by escaping, by blending in, through compromise. You're not going to take it by force. You're not going to take it by any of these means. Actually, it's through meekness that you're going to inherit the promises of God. Meekness. And that would have had all of them scratching their heads. Maybe it's got you scratching your head. And so let's turn to the second part of our question today, which is, well, if the prize is the earth, then what did Jesus mean by meekness? The meek will inherit the earth. And to understand what Jesus meant by meekness here, we actually need to dive back into Psalm 37, where most commentators say Jesus is directly quoting from, because Psalm 37 verse 11 literally says this very same thing. It says, the meek 
will possess the land or inherit the earth. And so Jesus is quoting Psalm 37, 11. And as was the way in Jewish thought, if you quoted one verse from a psalm, you were meant to think about the rest of the message in that psalm. As I've said before, it's like quoting a well-known song lyric. All you need is love. You you quote one line and you think about the rest of the song. Well, that's what's happening here. Jesus is quoting Psalm 37, verse 11. Of course, it didn't have verses in those days. And it was meant to push you back to read Psalm 37 to find a definition of meekness, which we find in verses 5 to 8. Here's what we read. Psalm 37, verse 5. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your vindication as the light and your right as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over him who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil desires. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself, for it tends only to evil. We see at least three qualities here about meekness from Psalm 37. Here's the first quality of those that are meek. They trust God. They trust God. We see there, verse 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. You know, meek people are those that trust God. They commit their way to him. And that word commit literally means to roll away or to roll onto. And the idea is that those who trust in God and commit their way literally roll all of their hopes, all of their desires, all of their dreams, all of their confidence onto God. They are those that have put all their eggs in one basket. It's God or bust. We are just all in. We are leaning our full weight into God. We trust him. We're rolling everything into him. And I wonder if that characterizes you and I in this season. Are you one who is living today saying, Father, I trust you in all the challenges. I just roll all of my confidence onto you. That describes meek people. They trust God. In fact, they trust God often more than they trust themselves. They're leaning into God's faithfulness, God's character, God's mercy. You know, I read of a a missionary once who went to an unreached tribe and he was trying to describe to them the meaning of the word trust. He was trying to describe what it looked like to trust in Jesus, but they had no word in their vocabulary for trust because they lived in a very dog-eat-dog culture where you betrayed one another. There was no such word as trust. And so he tried to find a way to describe what trust looked like. And so he he took a three-legged stool, took one of the legs off and sat on the stool. And of course, the stool fell over with him on it. And he said, this is what mistrust looks like. But then he put the third leg of the stool on and sat on the stool. And he said, this is what trusting in Jesus looks like. You put your whole weight on him and he will never let you down. Friends, that's trust. It's leaning our whole weight onto Jesus. Trusting that he is for us, not against us, even in the most challenging of moments. It's that that verse in Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. So a question for you and I in this season. Are you more trusting or more self-reliant?
Well, Jesus is saying, listen, guys, you are going to receive the promises through trust, through meekness. The second quality of meekness in Psalm 37 is what we see in the next verse, which says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. So the next thing about meek people is that they are still. They wait patiently. They are trusting that God will bring about his promises in his time, in his way, with his wisdom. They wait patiently for the Lord. I don't know about you, but I find that a huge, huge challenge to wait in stillness for God to act. You know, and so often I find I have to come to the end of my own resources before I just finally I stop and I find stillness and I say, God, I'm just going to wait for you to show up. You know, and the thing about meek people, it's not that meek people are lazy, but rather it's that they're free from frenzy. And again, does that describe you? Are you someone who is free from frenzy, but you patiently understand that it's in quietness and rest that your salvation is going to come? Meet people, wait for the Lord. They trust in his omnipotence. They trust in his goodness. They wait in prayer. They learn how to have stillness in their own heart. They learn how to quiet their own minds so that they can hear the voice of God speak to them. So I wonder for you, when you think about what success looks like in your life, whether it's in your career or your relationships or your family um, or, or, or your reputation or your dreams, how are you going to achieve success? Is it through striving and self-efforts or is it through quietly waiting on God to fulfill his promises in your life? Or the meek are going to inherit the earth. So we've seen two things so far. The meek trust are trusting. Secondly, that the meek are those who wait. It's about waiting. But thirdly, meekness is about refraining. This is what we see next. It says, fret not yourself over him who prospers in his way. Fret not yourself. So thirdly, we see that the meek refrain from anger. They stop fretting. They are those that have made peace that God is the just judge. And even when they see wicked people prospering, they are at peace because they know they can trust God to do the right thing. Um, meek people tend to be those that have a lot of patience. They are not defensive. They are not easily offended. Meek people tend not to be judgmental. Meek people tend to believe the best of others. Meek people tend to have a very long fuse and give space for God to work. They wait, they trust, they believe, they love. This is what Jesus is saying. The meek, these kind of people are going to inherit the earth. You know, I, I read a, a great little uh, blog post from a friend of mine, David Campbell, this week, and this is what he wrote. He said, I was thinking the other day of a battle I won simply because I didn't fight it. More than once, I have been sorely tempted to wade into the fray on my own behalf. After all, in my thinking, I had been badly treated. Why shouldn't I feel free to point it out or do something about it? Every time I got to that point, the Lord arrested me. If my life belongs to him, then so do all my battles. When I get involved, I never know how much of my cause is really just and how much is my own injured pride or self-interest. And then there's King Jehoshaphat. 
He was the guy who came up with the bright idea of sending his worship team out to do battle instead of his army. And as a result, he won a battle just because he never actually fought it. If someone has treated you wrongly, you have two choices, either get even or forgive. And when I forgive, I hand the situation and the person over to the Lord. The God who forgave me requires me to do the same to others. I love that. You got two choices, get even or forgive. And Jesus says, listen, the meek, those who choose to forgive, those who choose not to fret, not to hold on to offenses, not to uh, walk into judgment and superiority over others, but those who release, who forgive, who love, who trust, who pray for others. Those are the ones, says Jesus, who are going to inherit the earth. So we see three things about meekness. Meekness is trusting, it's waiting, and it's refraining. Three things. And in conclusion, Jesus says the meek are going to inherit the earth. Jesus here is reframing the promise to Israel. He's saying, actually, this is no longer just about one nation inheriting a land. It's about a people who belong to God from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, inheriting not just a land, not just a piece of geography, but inheriting the whole earth. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so Jesus is saying here, listen, there is a bigger promise. And the promise is this, that for all those who are part of my kingdom, they are going to inherit the whole earth. And in fact, one day scripture says that the the earth is going to be made brand new. There's going to be a new heavens and a new earth. God is going to wrap up this planet with all of its frustrations and pains and imperfections. And he is going to make all things brand new. And it will be the saints of the Most High who will inherit the new heavens and the new earth as they co-rule and reign with their Saviour and King, Jesus Christ. That is the promise here for all of those who are meek and part of God's kingdom. You're going to inherit the earth. And notice that word inherit. Inherit is not something you've worked hard for. Listen, anything that you obtain through self-effort, you are going to have to maintain through self-effort. But here Jesus says, the meek will inherit. They will be given for free the earth. In other words, this is not about something that you and I do. We don't fight for the land. We don't try and occupy the land. We don't try and do anything by force. Actually, we wait in quietness and rest and trust and prayer believing that one day we will inherit, we will be given a new heavens and a new earth by God himself. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Right now, in our moment of restriction, where many of us are restricted to our homes, yet we live with this promise, one day, if we live in meekness, we're going to inherit the whole earth. And on that day, there will be no restrictions. And ultimately, friends, we are following the one who didn't just teach about meekness on this hillside. He modelled meekness. He was the embodiment of meekness. And the saviour that we follow is the one who came into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, meek and lowly. We come to the one who, though he could have worn the crown, he threw his crown down. He laid his life down. He became nothing. He took on the nature of a servant. We are following the humble, beautiful servant God, Jesus, who now, says Philippians, has been crowned with many crowns. He has been given the name above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, 
every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. Our meek saviour, because of his sacrifice, has now become the king of many nations. And so this is the one that we follow. What would Jesus say to us if he was in this current cultural moment? I believe he would say the same thing that he said 2000 years ago. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. God bless you as you think about these things. So we just don't want to take a minute to respond to Phil's word there. And um, I think really just to, to ask God whether you are just waiting and trusting him and you need to just kind of say again, yes, God, I'm choosing to trust you and ask him for strength and patience to do that or whether you realise that actually your, your kind of your trust and your um, security and that has kind of gone off the boil recently and want to almost recommit to that. Let's just take a minute with him right now. So let's pray. Yeah, Father, we know that you are so trustworthy. God, you are the one who will never forsake or abandon us. You are the one who when you make a promise, God, it is rock solid and it cannot be moved. And Lord, we choose again to trust you today. God, we choose to wait on you. We choose to be patient and just to believe in your goodness and in your closeness. And Father, would you come and give us just the resources we need to do that, God? Give us the strength we need to trust. And Father, I pray for every person now who is choosing to do that again, that they would just feel that resonance in their spirit with you of, yes, Father, you've got me and you're with me in this. Thank you so much, Father God. Would you come now? Yeah, Father, come and rest on us. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And if you've never yet put your trust in God before, today is a great day to do that. Um, all you have to do is reach out to him and say, God, I want to put my trust in you. But it's really helpful to connect to other people if you do that. So mm -hmm. click on the prayer button um, and there'll be someone willing to speak to you. Or you can try to connect to us through the church website. It's great. And also, don't forget to scroll back through for the words of knowledge. Um, our team are on hand to pray if you press the button. They'd love to pray for um, healing of any kind. And um, yeah, that's it from us today. So we just want to say thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. We hope you have a really good week um, and lots of love. Bye. <laughs> Bye.